Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. My Beverly Hills miscarriage. Now, this is a deep episode because I'm talking about something that happened with me in late last year where I had a miscarriage and it was heartbreaking and beautiful all at the same time. So this is about how to come to terms with something that doesn't come to term, whether it's a baby, a relationship, a job. A lot of times we have hopes and sometimes they don't always pan out. So listen to this crazy and heartbreaking story of how I lost my pregnancy and the beauty that I found in the experience. This is about how to deal with loss and still keep the hope. Today, I want to talk about a really important topic that a lot of women feel uncomfortable discussing and that doesn't get talked about that much in our society because there's so much shame and sadness and grief and other emotions that are wrapped into it. And what I want to talk about is what to do when you go through something that doesn't happen the way that you want, but more specifically, how to come to terms with something that doesn't come to term. So what I'm talking about from my personal experience is having a miscarriage a few months ago, but this applies to anything in our life where we want something, we're in the process of creating something. We have great dreams and hopes and desires and energy and enthusiasm, of course, mixed with fear and, and anxiousness and unknown and uncertainty. And we're riding this big crest, this big wave of possibility And then the wave crashes and we don't get the outcome. We don't get the goal. We don't get the thing that we've been hoping for. And that can lead to lots of disappointment and shame and sadness and fear and all of those things that we talked about. So there's a lot of of secrecy around miscarriage when in fact it's actually somewhat common. There is a statistic that close to 40% of women who get pregnant over the age of 35 will experience a miscarriage, whether it's in week four or whether it's later in the pregnancy. This happened for me at week eight. So it was far enough along that we had been getting an ultrasound that we could see in the gestational sac and the yolk sac and the pregnancy looked good. They were taking my hormones and then the heartbeat just never developed. It just, it just never happened. They never, they never found it. And that was so crushing. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this story, about, you know, how we found out that we were pregnant and these miraculous circumstances. It felt like everything was aligning and then how strange it was that what looked to be the most miraculous circumstances didn't play out the way that we expected, but it was still a miracle. And one of the most healing and beautiful experiences that I've actually ever been through. And you'll hear more about my journey. And like I said, this applies to relationships that don't come to terms, so to speak, you know, that don't lead to marriage when you maybe had that hope or work situations, whatever it is, we all as humans have to deal with this inevitability of things being out of our control. And it doesn't mean that we can't still create beauty and art and passion and connection and depth through all of these experiences. So the way that this all happened was was kind of interesting. It was beyond interesting. It felt really guided. 
So my husband and I, Jason, we had been wanting to have a baby and we had been trying since just like July and we had some false starts. One time I thought I was pregnant because my period was a week late, but it was never showing up as a pregnancy on the, you know, the home P t- test, the stick test. Um, then I eventually did get my period like a week or nine days late. And then something similar happened the following month in July and in August. So then we kind of took a little bit of a break. Our schedules didn't align. And we were going through just some interpersonal challenges in our relationship, to be honest, at the time. And so when he was gone and he was on a trip, you know, I had some fears. I had some fears that, oh my gosh, what if I'm going through menopause? What if something is wrong with me? And I had all these worries that what if I can't get pregnant and how come this isn't happening? Even though it typically takes a woman nine cycles to conceive when she's older and she tries to conceive. When I say older, I mean above 35. So it's not that the fact that we hadn't conceived for two months was a big deal. It was more that I just have a very active mind and I like to be proactive and I like to know what's going on. So he was away and I got to thinking, well, maybe I need to go see someone. Maybe I need to see a fertility specialist because if I'm having, you know, all of these worries about going through early menopause, then we might have to do IVF or we might have to try something else. No, I had been trying this, not trying, I'd been using a product named Freya that I'm a co-founder of, which is all about fertility and all about reproductive health. And it's a Chinese medicine formula. It's delicious. It actually tastes good. Yes, even though it's Chinese herbs. And it's all about regulating your cycle, improving your PMS, and helping you conceive. So we'd been using Freya, but it hadn't you know, been sticking, so to speak. And When we went to the fertility specialist, when Jason got back from his trip, we made the appointment. We went to the fertility specialist. Um, Just to backtrack a second, we went to the fertility specialist on a Monday because we'd gotten very, very lucky. Jason and I had this talk. A few days later, I had called some different doctor's offices because my my coverage is HMO. It's not great coverage. (laughs) So they did not cover, Kaiser does not cover fertility treatments. They gave me a big long list. And on a Friday afternoon, I called, you know, nine or 10 places, all of whom said, well, we don't really have anything open until February. And that was not going to work for me. I'm the sort of woman who wants it done yesterday. I'm very impatient and passionate and driven. And, and yeah, I, I wasn't willing to just go with the flow on this and wait a few weeks. Something in my body was telling me that I had to get this figured out now and, and was worried that we might have to do IVF. So luckily there was the last, you know, recommendation on the list was for a fertility clinic in Beverly Hills. It's called the Southern California Reproductive Center. And they miraculously had an an appointment available on that Monday. So literally, you know, two days later, not only that, but it was with the lead fertility doctor, the founder of not only that clinic, but the whole branch of clinics called the Southern California Reproductive Center. So I think they have nine of them or something. And his name is Dr. Surrey. He's an amazing, amazing human. So when they told me on a Friday that there was a booking available for him on a Monday, I jumped at the chance. And then Jason and I went we explained, you know, what had been happening. I explained my history of him and I, you know, trying to get pregnant for a little bit of time and what was going on. And he said, okay, well, great. You know, let's do an ultrasound and let's see what's happening with your ovaries and with your reproductive health, get your follicle count, all of that. And at this point I was on day 28 or 29 of my cycle. I was, I was supposed to be getting my period that day. And my periods are pretty regular, especially from the use of Freya. They had been very regular, very consistent and very low symptoms. Like no PMS symptoms. So I I didn't really know what was going on, but I didn't have a clear indication of when I was about to get my period because Freya had helped smooth all of that out. 
So Jason and I are in the clinic with Dr. Suri and we're getting the ultrasound and lo and behold, I had a little gestational sac that I was actually pregnant. So these fears that I had of going into early menopause were because my breast felt really swollen. And I thought, oh my God, my breasts are swollen. I looked that up on Google and that was a symptom of early menopause. Well, guess what? It's also a symptom of pregnancy. So we were so excited and delighted. And the doctor was totally shocked because the women that come to see him are women who typically have a hard time getting pregnant. And he rarely on an ultrasound of a new client We'll just see that the client is pregnant, but the timing was just crazy because he had that booking available last minute. And then also because it happened to be the first day of my missed period. And so I hadn't even thought about taking, you know, the test at home or any of that. So yeah, we began this process because this was a fertility doctor who's very, you know, uh, concerned for a good reason with early term pregnancies. His clinic specifically helps women go from not being pregnant to the 12th week. And then after the 12th week, they go back to their OBGYN or another, you know, healthcare provider. So he's used to, you know, checking hormones and running tests and doing an ultrasound pretty much every week to make sure that the, the pregnancy is progressing normally. So we saw him in what was basically week four of the pregnancy because they chart pregnancy weeks based on the date of your last period. So the week four of the pregnancy was actually the week that I would have normally been getting my cycle. So we went back every week for a few weeks and we were getting the hormones and we were getting, you know, other things tested and the ultrasound and everything kept developing. And it was such a joyous time. I felt so flippin' excited every single morning. I would wake up and I would snuggle up to Jason and I would say, oh my gosh, we're going to have a baby. I'm so excited. This is the best news ever. I mean, he said that he had never seen me so excited and I'm a very passionate woman. I'm so excited all the time about my work and my clients and them getting married and engaged and having breakthroughs and healing from their trauma. And, you know, I just, I get lit up by a lot of things in life, but this was to a whole nother level to the point where I, I thought I was supposed to be tired during the pregnancy because the first trimester you're supposed to be really tired. And I was in the afternoon, but in the mornings I was just high on life. I could feel like tingles and and swelling and achy and tenderness in my breasts. And it was a welcome sensation. I, I just relished this feeling of being pregnant and knowing that my body was changing and carrying life. And so I was very attuned, maybe hyper attuned to my sensations and my feelings and my mood and my energy levels and, you know, all of these things that, that were happening. And it felt just so serendipitous. It felt so um, divine that we had found this, this expert in fertility to guide us through this process each step of the way. And I thought, oh, well, this baby just wants to make sure that she gets the best care or he gets the best care, although I felt like it was a she. Um, and so, you know, she found her way to us and now she's finding her way to the top doctor for fertility so that she can be well-received and, and have a healthy beginning to her journey. And then at about week, I think six or seven, I think week six, um, Dr. Suri said, your progesterone levels are a little bit low. We need to do a supplement called Indometrin and have you get started with that to help your progesterone levels. But other than that, everything looks good. And then he checked my hormones again a week later and the progesterone had really been helping. So we felt like we were right on track. Um, but then around week seven or so, I started getting a little bit of mild cramping, not a lot, but just a little bit of mild cramping, which was strange for me because I don't get cramps when I have my period. So it was, it was a different sensation, a, a new sensation. And so 
it felt, you know, more like in my uterus and my womb versus sometimes when I have had premenstrual symptoms in the past, it's been a little bit more around the cervix. So I, I started to feel like maybe something was a little bit off. And that was not, not a good thing to dive into on the internet, because if you look up any pregnancy symptom at any point in pregnancy, there are a bajillion posts and discussion boards and stories. And some of them would be great. Like, Oh, don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. Same thing happened to me. And some of them are not so great. And I had actually had a dream. This was about a week or two after we found out we were pregnant. In the early morning hours, I had a dream that I had, you know, started spotting. Like in my dream, I literally, you know, saw a few little spots of of light pink blood um, on tissue paper. And so I think that was a premonition. I'm very connected to my dreams. And so when I started feeling this cramping, I had some fear, which turned into total panic because I started checking Google all the time, which I do not recommend to anyone with any medical condition. Just go see a doctor. Um, but we did say, we did have a doctor and he said, you know, don't worry, just, just keep coming back in because every time we came in, everything looked okay. And then Jason and I were navigating this journey and it was bringing us closer and we were daydreaming and talking as we went to bed about the baby and, you know, what it was going to be like to be parents and how that was going to feel. And, you know, I had some days where I felt very emotional and so we were kind of holding each other through the process. And then he was going to a trip a writing retreat with other men that he works with other men's coaches and leaders and is in Mexico and Puerto Vallarta. So he was getting ready to go on that trip on Friday, December, I think it was December 14th, either December 14th or December 15th. And he got into the, you know, car and, and drove himself and me to the airport. And then I drove myself back. But before I could even get home, I started experiencing intense cramps very, very intense cramps to the point where I had to pull over and go to CVS and get some sanitary products, you know, some feminine products, because I realized like, wow, okay, something is shifting, something is happening, I could feel it happening. And so I, you know, I got some pads, and I immediately called the doctor, Dr. Surrey, and they said, Yeah, we want to see you, you know, we want to see you right away. So my husband had just gotten on a plane to Mexico, like (laughs) 45 minutes earlier, not even that. I mean, I just dropped him off. Um, But by the time that, you know, I called him, or sorry, I didn't, I can't remember the order of it. (laughs) Basically, he was already on the plane when I went to the doctor. And so I went to the doctor and they did a quick ultrasound and, you know, I'll never forget coming up off of the table and Dr. Suri saying, yeah, this is, this is not a viable pregnancy. You know, your body is starting to miscarry. And I know I had just these wide eyes of shock. And even though it's normal, you know, no one, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to go through that. No one wants to, um, recognize that they were carrying life. And then now that life is, is no longer, you know, is, is not developing according to, according to what I had wanted and what I had hoped. And so, you know, I just had these big wide eyes of like, Oh my God. And especially to go through it without Jason, it just, when Jason had been there every step of the way and all of these appointments, it felt totally devastating. So I got changed and went back to his office and explained to me kind of what was going on. And that was, yeah, I was bawling. I was crying. Was it the hormones? Was it the grief? Was it both combined? It was all of it, you know? So I told him, you know, well, my husband is on a plane right now to Mexico and, 
I don't know. I don't know when he's going to get off the plane and I have to talk with him and see what's going on. And Dr. Suri said, you know, you can either let it happen naturally or you can do a procedure, the DNC procedure. And he explained the pros and cons of, of both options. And I knew I had to talk to Jason first before I made a decision. So, you know, I, I texted Jason and said, Hey, when you land, let me know. And he did. And then poor thing was sitting on the plane, uh, you know, surrounded by all these people hadn't even gotten off and, and I had to call and break the news. So an hour or two, two or three hours earlier, he had, you know, got onto the plane thinking everything was fine with his wife and his baby, soon to be baby. And then it wasn't. And I was crying as I was talking with him and he was crying and, you know, we both felt totally saddened and in shock about this turn of events because everything had felt so perfect and so magical and so synchronistic. And I knew in my body that I just wanted to have, have an opportunity to start over, you know, that if the pregnancy was not going to be viable, um, sometimes if you just let the body release on its own, it doesn't release everything and it takes longer and it makes it harder to get pregnant. Now, every woman has her own choice of how she wants to proceed with a situation like this. But I, I opted to have the surgery because I wanted a fresh start and I didn't want to just leave that to chance. Now, luckily, I've been so supported throughout this whole process. Uh, I decided to be pretty public about it. I posted it on Facebook, um, not that moment, you know, a little bit later, but I shared with a few friends and one of my friends, a good dear friend of mine, she said that she would help take care of me, that she would figure it out. You know, she would take me to the clinic and make sure that I was okay because turns out you cannot drive because they put you on anesthesia and she would just, you know, she would just handle it, which was such a blessing. So one of the give, one of the gifts, one of the big gifts of this experience was realizing just how much I was loved, like so much love. One of my, um, doctors or a person that I see for network spinal care, which if you don't um, know that much about, it's a beautiful, beautiful healing modality that's given me such a new perspective on my life and energy and being congruent with my natural energy and really harnessing my energy. And one of my doctors, you know, I let him know, and he was right there with me over text, you know, for anything that I needed, helping me process, helping me heal. And that was so important. And then of course, Jason from afar in Mexico on video chat and you know, FaceTime and all of those things. And then there was the sadness of just realizing, okay, this, this thing that I'd been excited about, not just for the last few weeks of being pregnant, but really my whole life. I mean, I've always wanted to be a mom. I remember having a little doll. Um, it's like my buddy and kid sister. I don't know if you remember that, but it's my buddy and kid sister and kid sister had reddish hair. And I remember carrying that little doll and I was so into her and yeah, I've, I mean, I've wanted to be a mom since I was little. I just, it's a calling. It's a calling in my heart. And it took me a long time to find a partner that was a good fit to have children with. You know, my ex-husband, um, I kept asking to have children. He kept saying no. And then we eventually broke up. And then I just didn't find a suitable father, you know, really at all in between our divorce, that first marriage getting divorced and then finding Jason. So I was so excited and I'm still so still so excited to have babies and have babies with Jason. But it really felt like the thing that I had wanted for my whole life was being ripped away from me. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's a very strange sensation to feel that you are bringing life into the world and feel all the sensations around that. And then to feel that you are dying inside, to feel that you're bringing, you know, you're not bringing death, but that death is, is making its way with, with your body and with what you were conceiving. And so 
You know, there was so much shame and fear and second guessing myself and thinking, oh, if I had not, you know, used that face mask or if I had not, you know, eaten the ice cream on that one night, like, oh, it's because of this, it's because of that. And, you know, blaming myself over and over and over again is enough to drive anyone crazy. And then worse than that, you know, the spiritual blame, like, oh, did I think a wrong thought? You know, if, if everything is thought and everything is vibration and I create my reality, then I must have thought a thought that made this happen. And while yes, we are responsible for our thoughts and we are responsible for everything in our life. It doesn't mean that we can control how everything is going to go. We just, you know, we can't, I, that's my own personal opinion that we're dancing with life. We're surrendering with life and life is happening for us, not to us. So there's so many blessings and so much beauty to this experience, but there was, you know, probably a day and a half or two days where I was just it's kind of a wreck, you know, the Friday afternoon when I found all this out and we decided to do the procedure until Sunday evening, uh, was really, really tough. Minus a few very happy hours with anesthesia, not happy hour, like drinking, but like hours where I felt very happy after the anesthesia, which I didn't realize at the time was the anesthesia. I just thought, Oh my gosh, this is so easy. And then the next morning I woke up like bawling with a headache. So yeah. <laughs> um, the, the irony of all of this is that Jason was going on his retreat, his writing retreat to Mexico, and I had planned on doing a staycation. It was towards the end of the year, I think the second to last you know weekend of the year. It was the last weekend before we we're going to go home and see his family for the holidays. And I had really wanted to treat myself, you know, it was a really good year for my business and for what I do working and helping women. I had a lot of clients get engaged. I had clients get married. I had some new fun additions to my staff and I've, I just love, love, love my team. And we had done some really cool things like as an organization, you know, we had taken a group of women to Paris and Miami and done some live events. We'd launched that year long program. I'd launched the podcast and I just wanted to celebrate. I'm a huge fan of celebrating. Like we can't just wait until it's all done and then celebrate because a, it's never going to get done. And B, the more you celebrate, the more fun you have along the way, the more fun you have along the way, the more you want to do it and be motivated. So a lot of people will say, you know, set a goal and then come up with a reward when you reach that goal. And I'm actually a little bit the opposite. I'm like, set a goal and reward yourself along the way. And you're going to reach that goal way faster than this whole, like, no, no dessert until you eat your vegetables. Now, you know, sometimes we need that approach, but I personally think that life is way more fun when we eat our dessert first, metaphorically, and when we allow ourselves to feel good in the moment and to treat ourselves with a lot of compassion and kindness and, and dignity. So a few weeks before this, it all happened when I knew I was pregnant. But before I had the miscarriage, obviously, I had booked a really nice hotel room in Beverly Hills, and I was just going to enjoy having room service and being able to walk around Rodeo Drive and being able to look out at all the Christmas decorations in that area for this time of year or that time of year. And my intention was not only to celebrate the business and the offerings and the clients and the, you know, impact from the previous year and all the creative pursuits and endeavors and personal work that I had done. But also I meant to write, you know, I was going to write, write something great. I was going to write, um, my Ted talk. I was going to write a book. I was going to talk about the feminine and freeing your feminine energy and being in touch with your feminine and all of those things. And then the day that I'm supposed to go check into the hotel after it's already been bought and before, you know, it's, it's past the point where I can cancel is when I find out that I'm miscarrying. So I had a decision. I could either just pay for the hotel, but not show up and just kind of cower and, and pout and sleep and sulk and, you know, do this all at, at my house, the miscarriage and everything else. 
Or I could take that freaking hotel room that I had paid for and say, you know what? Yes, I had planned to be here in a jubilant state, creating, you know, new works and being pregnant and writing a book and all those things. And now that's not what's happening. You know, my body is rejecting this pregnancy. This is not a viable pregnancy. And oh, that cut deep, that just dichotomy of feeling emotionally so low and yet having this opportunity to be in total opulence and glamour and luxury and softness and service and and all of those things. And I just decided, no, I'm, I'm going to keep that hotel room. Like I'm not going to give up an opportunity to feel good. In fact, what if this is divinely timed and orchestrated so that I can go through this experience of having the miscarriage and having, you know, the procedure without having to feel, you know, smack dab in the face with all of these things. Cause we had bought little things at home for the baby. And, you know, we had just all these little memories, you know, the, the Ava bracelet that I wore for tracking my basal body temperature and, um, you know, little things we had written out about what we wanted for baby. And so thank God, thank God that I had already reserved a hotel room that I now could not cancel weeks before. And thank God that I had already, um, known in some ways that I was going to need this space and need this time. And even though it didn't turn out how I expected, I didn't write my book, but I did get a lot of very important insights about what it really means to free your feminine and freeing your feminine doesn't mean just all of a sudden you become a sex pot and you are sultry and you're seductive and hee <laughs> and playful and, you know, light and bright and shiny and all those things. Like, no, freeing your feminine also means freeing your dark feminine. The parts of you that are angry, that are fearful, that are dying and destroying and, and decaying, you know, the parts of you that feel intense rage, intense jealousy and fear and betrayal and all of those emotions that are part of life that we don't need to glorify and we don't need to wallow in, but that without being in contact with them, we are missing out on the richness of life and we're missing out on fuel and power and connection to a part of ourself that is an equally important part of ourself as the light, bright, shiny, you know, sexy little kitten part of ourself. And a lot of times when we're not in touch with the dark feminine, we push that away. Like, Oh, I can't feel angry. I can't feel all these things. And we think to ourselves, this is my experience anyway. Okay. I'm just going to outwork this. I don't need to feel sad. I don't need to feel angry. I'm not going to be in touch with my jealousy. I'm just going to put my attention on something else that feels good. And for many of us, the thing that feels good is work. You know, we're addicted to our work. We're addicted to, um, performing and achieving and being the boss babe and climbing the corporate ladder and all of those things. And I did that for most of my life. And there were still such strong urges to do that. As I went through this experience, there was a part of me that wanted to, well, I'm just still going to write my book. It's okay. You know, I'm just going to be sad, but I'm going to do it. Hell no. <laughs> that was not, that was not going to be possible. I mean, my body was, was, you know, shutting down and, and, um, you know, grieving in its own way as the, as the pregnancy was ending and the hormones were lowering and all of that. And my, my psyche was, was feeling wounded. You know, how did this happen? I thought I was going to be able to, you know, how did I not see this coming? Um, this is something I wanted forever. And then my emotions were just tattered. I mean, it was just, it was just bawling. It was all I could do to barely keep it together. And especially any time that I would see Jason's face when we were FaceTiming, I was just crushed, you know, like, oh, to not be able to be with him, but then also to feel the shame of not, not being able to bring this creation, this sacred life, the sacred creation into the world. 
no, there was never any heartbeat. I don't think that the baby ever actually, you know, like came in. It was never that way. It's my body just wasn't ready to carry a pregnancy and it wasn't a viable pregnancy somewhere along the line. The fertilized egg just didn't develop into the cells for the heartbeat and all of those things. But still it was a, it was a missed opportunity. It was a lost, um, lost opportunity. It was a hope that had been dashed. It was, you know, something that didn't come to term, literally that I had wanted to come to term. I had wanted to birth this creation. So, you know, I'm sitting in the hotel room and I'm looking out on Rodeo drive and it's so pretty and all the people are shopping and I'm seeing all the junk food and the, you know, the mini bar. And there was a part of me that really wanted to just raid that cabinet and binge out on M&Ms and put on some shitty TV and just let myself have it. But I just, I couldn't. It's like I respected my body and the sacred journey too much. I didn't want to numb out. Didn't want to numb out on sugar or wine, even though, yeah, at this point, definitely could have had a glass of wine. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to feel my way through this. I'm going to feel every little nook and cranny and crevice of these emotions and this pain and this devastation and this sense of loss. And so instead, I made myself a bath and I, you know, brought my journal over to the bathtub and some of my goddess cards. And I just got in that bath and cried (laughs) and I just cried and cried and cried and, um, felt the tenderness of my heart and the aching of my body. just wanted to conceive, just wanted to hold, wanted to hold a baby (laughs) on my chest and in my womb and be a mom. And we already had a name picked out for the baby and, you know, we were kind of ahead of ourselves, but we could just feel the presence of this baby, of the spirit that really wanted to come through. That was another piece of it is wondering, well, you know, am I a bad mom? Like, am I, did the baby not choose me? Did they do something wrong? And, you know, all of those fears and all of those things that come up for anyone who's gone through this. But even if you're going through something else of loss, whether it's a death of, of someone or whether it's, you know, the ending of a relationship, we we're just racking our brain of what we could have done differently or why this may have happened. But I find both with relationships and with situations like this, asking why is not very helpful because some things are unanswerable. Some things are just the mystery. And that's part of the the divine feminine as well. It's just the liminal space, the mystery, the, the unknowing and the holding of ourselves through that, you know, our inner masculine kind of coming online to hold space for us. So I was so lonely. I didn't turn on the TV. Didn't have any wine. I didn't have any junk food or mini bar. And I'm not saying that's like I'm a martyr and I'm so cool. I'm just kind of sharing a window into, into my experience. So yeah, I was laying in that, in that tub crying. I think I might've been listening to some music. I had some essential oils out and I just wrote a poem. There was just a poem that flew through me, a poem about the feminine, a poem about, you know, that experience, a poem about life and and a poem about death. I don't actually have the poem with me right now. I might post that in the show notes if I can find it. Um, but it was this sense of making peace with this part of ourselves and being okay with this part of ourselves that I'm not a robot. You know, I can't crank out a baby just like a factory would crank out a widget. Like this process of life and death is mysterious and it's fragile and it's unpredictable. And coming to terms with the fact that I couldn't couldn't make it happen on my timeline and I couldn't make it happen in the way that I wanted to, which was just perfect and easy and light and happy and natural and, you know, yay. (laughs) 
and and being okay with that. So I took that bath. I wrote a poem in homage to the dark feminine and the dark feminine that literally was in my body, my my uh, the the child that never came, but the gestational sac and the yolk sac and all those things that that were supposed to be the components of the baby. And then I cried myself to sleep and spoke to my husband again. And through this whole time, I felt so lucky and so held. I felt lucky to be in this glamorous hotel. I felt lucky to be in one of the most opulent and beautiful places in the world. Now, you know, some people, some of you might say, well, that's not spiritual to be in Beverly Hills, but I think spirit is everything, including matter, including diamonds, including fancy things, including, you know, whatever. And we can give any meaning that we want to it. We can say it's great. We can say it's, you know, horrible and tacky or materialistic or whatever it is, but I was there. I was there where there was a lot of, you know, a lot of energy and a lot of opulence and a lot of sparkle. And I really needed that sparkle because I was going through a time that did not feel very sparkly. And I felt immense gratitude, like, wow, how lucky am I that I get to be held in this beautiful space that I get to be in a place where I can order room service and I, you know, have a nice bathtub right there. And I don't, I don't have a care in the world. I have a soft bed to sleep in. And how many women in the world have gone through something like this on a dirt floor or a concrete floor, or, you know, they just have to work. They don't get a procedure. They just, you know, they realize they're not pregnant anymore and they just bleed and bleed and bleed for weeks. And they have to do that while they're taking care of other children, while they're cleaning houses, while they're tending to the fields. You know, this is, this is something that so many women go through and I had a very privileged opportunity to go through it in a way that was, um, very pampered to be honest. You know, my friend Ashley the next morning took me to the doctor and Dr. Suri himself performed the procedure, which um, was a blessing because that way I could heal and I healed very quickly. Um, And that way I could heal and I could trust that, you know, that pregnancy was completely gone from my body and that there was a safe space and container and, and open receptacle for getting pregnant again. And he normally doesn't do those procedures. So I felt totally blessed and honored that he would come in on a Saturday morning to do that. Um, it just speaks volumes of his character and his integrity and his devotion. And I really needed that divine masculine presence at that time. You know, Jason wasn't in town and, and I just needed that. I needed that so badly. And of course, like as soon as I got the anesthesia, I started crying. Like it was just a release. You know, my body had been holding on to so much hope and then so much fear when I had started getting that cramping about a week before, you know, the severe cramping. So I had like mild cramping, but then it passed. And then I was lost in my Google search for like a week, but I wasn't sure what was happening, all this back and forth and driving myself crazy one second. Like, yes, I'm still pregnant. The next second, no, I'm not, you know, because the hormones were still in my body. So anyway... Um, you know, I went through that and then my friend Ashley, um, took me home, which took me to Whole Foods first <laughs> so we could get some, some nourishment. And then we went back to the hotel room cause I had booked it for two nights and we just spent the nicest girlfriend quality time. It was great. We slept, we read magazines, we just kind of hung out, we talked, um, we pulled goddess cards, you know, eventually we kind of did a short little excursion of trying on fancy things in Beverly Hills, which definitely feels good. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It feels so nice. It feels so nice to try on a beautiful diamond ring or you know, touch a beautiful purse, all these little moments of luxury and, and craftsmanship and artisan, um, you know, things like things that people have put time and energy for decades and centuries, sometimes of certain of those brands into, into creating something. And so 
we ended up having dinner and then, you know, coming back to the hotel room and then of course leaving the next morning. And then when we left the next morning, I was hit by a huge wave of grief. You know, as soon as I got home, it was a wake up call to like, Oh yeah, this really happened. I'm in the same bed that I would wake up in every morning, totally giddy to talk with Jason about the baby. And now I'm in that same bed and it's the baby's gone. You know, it's not happening. And it took my body a while to come back to normal. You know, it took about two weeks for the bleeding to stop. And it took about two weeks for my hormones to come back to normal, maybe even a little bit more. And I also had a lot of shame around, I had gained a little bit of weight, not a lot, you know, and it's not because of the baby, the baby wasn't even really there, but your body starts preparing, you know, you start getting a little bloated, you start craving food more and resting more. And all of that was true for me. And because, because of my progesterone level being low, it was considered to be a higher risk pregnancy. So I wasn't supposed to do any exercise. Jason and I were not supposed to have any intimacy. So my life had kind of been on hold while I was incubating this child. And then, and then that didn't happen. So I got home and it was just really, really rough. Um, but at the same time, there was like exquisite tenderness and beauty and just being able to lay in bed and have a tantrum and kick my legs and punch, punch a pillow and, you know, scream and cry and be the victim for a little bit and say, why me? You know, even though I know the question, why isn't that productive? It's like, sometimes we can't move through the suffering until we acknowledge just how bad it was. You know, a lot of times I'll work with women who are like, Oh, wasn't that bad? Or, you know, he, he just verbally abused me. He didn't physically abuse me or, Oh, it's okay. I was just molested, not raped or, you know, Oh yeah, well he ghosted, but we'd only been dating for six weeks. Like we have all of these ways as women that we minimize our suffering because we think that we have to be strong because we think that it's going to look bad if we say that something was really tough because, you know, we, we don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings. We don't want to be mean. So we might as well just minimize the impact, but I don't want us to do that. I feel like that's, that's not helpful to minimize our suffering. I don't want everyone to feel like they have to just walk around in a ball of suffering all the time, but if you've gone through something you know, we need to feel it and heal it and reveal it. And sometimes the revealing it is what helps heal it. So it's okay to say, yeah, this thing happened to me and it really was that bad. And here's what's being born through that, you know, through the miscarriage, what was born so many beautiful things. Closeness with Jason. Jason and I got closer than ever before as we thought about building this family together. You know, closeness with my friends. My friends came out of the woodwork to support me and nourish me and help me and cheer me on and take care of me. And when I posted on Facebook later, you know, like a week after it happened, it was just outpouring of support and care and solidarity from other women who had gone through it too. And it made me really question why we can't talk about these things more as women. And I think we absolutely should, which is, you know, hence the Facebook post and this podcast and all of those things. And there are some great resources out there. Um, there's a woman who has a website called Healing Mama Trauma, and you might want to check that out. It's called HealingMamaTrauma.com. And she runs groups and does some really cool things with working through all of these different layers of what happens when you lose a pregnancy, because it is a loss and it is a death and it is a grieving process. So I got to feel not only the love of Jason and the love of all of these resources and friends and the luxury of being in Beverly Hills and the, the care of Dr. Suri throughout the whole process. But I also got to realize that this too was a miracle. It was a miracle that I got pregnant because we weren't even expecting to get pregnant. We had sex so early in my cycle um, that we, I, I didn't even think it was possible. I must've ovulated very early that time. So I didn't even think that we were going to get pregnant. And then lo and behold, 
you know, the first time we go to a fertility specialist, we are pregnant. And it was a miracle that my body rejected the pregnancy because something wasn't right. You know, it didn't fully develop. And I don't know why, and I, I will never know why, but I'm happy to receive the gift of this experience, which is gratitude, safety, support, connection, love, belonging, and humility. Humility that even though I'm healthy, you know, there's there's parts of my life that I can't control and an opportunity to surrender my attachment and my expectations that my life has to go perfectly in order for me to be lovable, in order for me to be loved, in order for me to be liked, or in order for me to be successful. And instead just being with the moment, including those aspects of the dark feminine, including those aspects of destruction that just happen naturally, you know, nature has her storms and that's just how it goes. And women and men too, we have our storms and we have those times when we have to go through that. So the way that I feel like this really relates to relationship and the work that I do with the women that I work with is that we all will have times in our life when we have to come to terms with something that doesn't come to terms, come to term. (laughs) And how do we do that? You know, can we do that with grace and compassion? But can we also do that with the force of nature that lives within us that's aching for expression, expressing our anger, expressing our rage, expressing our fear and all those other pieces of it. And when we can sit in that storm and act out in a healthy way in that storm and express and give voice in that storm creatively or energetically or emotionally or otherwise while getting support from the community, then something can be transformed very, very quickly. I mean, I was happy to talk about my experience within days of it happening. And we made a beautiful altar to the baby, which I'm actually looking at right now as I record this. Um, And we had some stickers and some um, poofy pillows and some um, journals like a journal, like a little kid's journal and some colored pencils and all this pink and, you know, goddess cards and a little stuffed animal and, you know, so tender, but so grateful for this, this being or, or the whisper of a being that we were calling in, that we were creating a space for. So, you know, finding the sacredness in this experience and the gratitude and the warmth and the joy in this experience. And I didn't, I didn't really tell his family much when we came home for the holidays. We left, we left on a Thursday back to Chicago and I had the procedure on a Saturday and it was really hard to be in the airport. I was still feeling hormonal from the hormones and then also just feeling sad in my heart. And it was the holiday time coming back for Christmas. And I had really hoped that we would have been able to tell his family over Christmas, like, Hey, guess what? We're pregnant. You know, I'd been, I'd been marinating on that for weeks ever since we had found out I had kind of done the math and had feel, figured out that it was going to be like, you know, nine weeks or so by the time it was Christmas. And so I was so excited to tell everyone and it was going to be just perfect. And then on a, <laughs> on a selfish note, the baby would have born in would have been born in August had it come to term. And I am a Leo. So I thought, oh, it's going to be a Leo baby. This is so amazing. (laughs) Ha ha. You know, well, that obviously didn't happen, but there was all these expectations that I had wrapped up. And then when we were traveling home for the holidays in the airport, you know, there were lots of babies, lots of babies going home for the holidays. And it just, oh, (laughs) it was heartbreaking to see them and think, I want... I want, I want that. You know, why didn't that happen? I want that. My body wants that. And then coming back to myself and soothing myself and loving myself and asking for support from Jason and journaling and, you know, talking to friends and just realizing it's okay. You know, I will have that. It might just look and feel and unfold differently than what I expected. And same with our relationships. Sometimes we meet someone and we think, oh my God, this is my person. This is it. This is what's going to make all the other relationships worth it. 
And sometimes it's because of an old attachment style. You know, we're attached to someone who mimics someone from our childhood, but who also can't give us what we need and want. Or sometimes it's just a pattern we've gotten ourselves into or something that feels like kismet, but is really just a lesson and, and not a lifetime. And sometimes that relationship doesn't work, especially if we don't have the skills, the tools, or the mentorship to watch out for the red flags and to have a healthy foundation and a healthy pattern of attraction. So sometimes things just don't, you know, don't come to term or a creative project flops or, you know, a trip doesn't happen or, or, you know, something that we're supposed to do, it starts raining. Um, and how do we deal with those disappointments? I think we deal with them through gentleness. Gentle, 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 not working through them, not pushing through them, not coping or numbing out through them, but gently unfolding like a little, you know, rose or lotus flower, petal by petal, like, ooh, the tenderness of that ache. What else is there without going into story? You know, what's the physical sensation? What's the emotion without making a meaning out of it that I'm a bad person or I did something wrong or, you know, also without making a fantasy about it, like, oh, this is going to pass and it's okay. The next one's on its way and blah, blah, blah. Like that level of spiritual bypass is glossing over, you know, some of the truths that are longing to be revealed and those lessons to sustain and nourish us and give us energy for the next evolution that we're going through and in that you know, particular area or in another area. So I'm so much compassion for relationships that don't come to term, you know, for, for babies that don't come to term for seeds that get planted and don't sprout. And I think we can all as a species, like scratch our head at that. And then we can also just surrender and relax into it and know that being gentle with ourself and also finding our innocence is one of the pathways through this. You know, I had to reclaim my innocence that I didn't do anything wrong. And it's not because of something that I did or something that I didn't do. I was following all the rules and the protocol that they say for you to do when you're pregnant or not do when you're pregnant. But for whatever reason, this, this wasn't my time and my body wasn't ready. And maybe the baby's spirit wasn't ready either. You know, we, we don't really know, but I do know how, I don't know how I felt. I do know how I feel. I do know what I'm committed and devoted to. I'm, I'm devoted to being a mom. I'm already a mom to a lot of my clients and I love that and my team. And my friends sometimes too, but I'm also a mom to myself, you know, these aching and tender parts of myself. I'm also a mom to these creative projects that I'm birthing books and Ted talk and podcasts and all those things and, and uh, TV stuff. And, and I'm also a mom to a child and I will be to children. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know what I'm devoted to. I'm devoted to gentleness, to finding my innocence, to being with all that's arising and to being the mother and being the mother energy in any way that life offers to me, including mothering myself through a very challenging and, and difficult time. So if you've ever gone through a really tough breakup or a miscarriage or something that didn't turn out the way you wanted, maybe you got laid off or something from work, or like I said, maybe a creative project didn't pan out. How did you get through that? You know, what did you do to nurture yourself, to love yourself? And there's no judgment if that wasn't possible for you, if you just had to numb out or you had to cope. We all, we all go through things in different ways and different times with the resources we have available. But if you get the sense that maybe there's something that still needs to be witnessed and grieved and processed and brought to the light and to find the silver lining behind it and you just haven't been able to do that, if you're holding on to bitterness or resentment or fear, and if that energy is feeling kind of trapped in your psyche or in your body, you know, or in your heart, this, this disappointment, this loss of expectations, this, um, you know, rage sometimes at, at the mystery of life, 
If that needs to come through you, then I suggest that you allow it to through creativity, dancing or writing or watercoloring, through getting support. You know, you can hire a coach or a therapist, you know, or a mentor. When I work with women, the first two or three weeks of our work together is never about dating. It's always about those inner foundations of mothering ourselves and fathering ourselves of our inner feminine and our inner masculine of tending to our inner child, of tending to our wounds and our patterns of attraction, of finding the gratitude and the lessons and the silver linings of the things that we've been to, but without spiritual bypassing, and of really understanding the emotional body and the physical body. So we can dive into those physical sensations, those felt senses, and we can dive into those emotions without story and just really feel, be penetrated by the energy that, that wants to open us. And so it's important to pay respect and honor those pieces of ourselves that just want to be loved, that just want to be healed into wholeness. You already are whole, but there's sometimes a way that we press that down or push that down or sweep it under the rug that doesn't always serve what we want to call forth. Because I know that when I'm pregnant and when I am a mom, I will always have such gratitude for this experience that I went through. Not because I'm attaching meaning to pain or making meaning from pain. We don't have to attach a lot of meaning to it or think, oh, I must suffer in order to grow. Not necessarily. I don't believe that. But we can have respect for our experiences. We can recognize that, no, our suffering matters. And that how we work through it is a way to nurture ourselves so that we feel even more equipped for the big energy, the big projects, the children, the romances, the, you know, creativity, the careers, the mission and service work that we want to do. All of that wants to flow through us, but we've got to take some of the kinks out of the garden hose. And sometimes experiences like this are what help prepare us spiritually, energetically, emotionally, and otherwise for the bigness of life that wants to flow through us. So if you're listening and you've got this far, so much um, gratitude to you and so much compassion for you and all of the starts and stops along your journey. I'm sending you a big warm hug, a a mothering hug, if I could say that even. (laughs) And I, of course, will keep everyone posted on our journey of conception and pregnancy as we continue down this path. And if you're interested in, again, those healing resources, it's called Healing Mama Trauma. It's not my website, but it's a great, great resource. And then you're also welcome to check out freyahealth.com freyahealth.com freya health helped jason and i get pregnant on only our third time trying our third month of of trying to conceive which is a blessing it's not the fault of freya it's no one's fault really but it's not the fault of freya that the baby did not come to term it was just you know for whatever reason the egg and sperm did not combine in a way that it you know genetically made sense and so the body the body let it go my body let it go and that's okay Um, But FreyaHealth.com is a great place to go if you want some help with your fertility. It's just natural, herbal Chinese medicine and a really nurturing and nourishing way to connect to your body in self-care every morning and every night. It's It's an instant tea that you drink and you can order it online. So thank you for listening. I'm wishing you gentleness and innocence as you deal with your disappointments and as you hold yourself in the process of destruction and the process of letting go. And I'll see you on our next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review. If you want more love, pleasure, and power in your life, go to violetlang.com forward slash talk. That's violetlang.com forward slash talk to sign up for a free Breakthrough to Love call. 
These are special deep dives only for women who are committed and ready for lasting love. If that's you, book your time now with me or my team.